We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm co-host Chris Scott Moore, joined as always by Alex Gibson and the birthday boy, Sean Nash. What's up, guys? Hello. Hello. Happy holidays. We missed it last week. Merry Christmas. Yes, we did. Happy birthday. (laughs) Just know that your birthday and Christmas are essentially the same day, but, you know, just like Jesus, you were uh, tender, mild, and born around the same time. Me and Jesus. Yeah, you guys have a lot of similar qualities. Very, very much. We're going to hear all about them today, so please remember remember to subscribe to the show via iTunes or Spotify. Give us a five-star review if you can. If you have a question you want us to discuss on the show, feel free to add one to the comment section, and we'll discuss whatever it is you want to talk about on the show next week. And visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com to get our match reviews and latest articles. So, Sean, uh, for the uh, newcomers to the show this week, why don't you give us a little idea of what the show is like? What's the format? Yes. Every week we come at you with our match of the week, moment, news, cringe of the weeks, and what we're looking forward to in the coming weeks, months, what's on the build, and what's what's really amping us up for being a wrestling fan. All right. Awesome. And we have a shitload of stuff to discuss in the show this week, so we'll get right into it. Uh, Alex, what was your match of the week? Well, spoiler alert, it was all three of ours. It was the six-man tag, Punk, Sting, and Darby versus MJF and FTR. Uh, first of all, loved the uh, team cohesiveness with the face paint for uh, Team Punk, Sting, and Darby. Kind of cool that they all tied in each other's stuff um, to kind of show that they were one cohesive unit there. Um, I, obviously, I think the the big standout for me in the match is FTR is always just great. Uh, it's a team that can take a pin and it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt them. Never, never makes them lose their heat or anything like that. MJF and Punk, the stuff with them and MJF being chased all the way through the crowd by Punk and um, and then talking shit about it on Twitter afterwards, like he wasn't afraid of him. I just love it. MJF is such a good just chicken shit heel. Um, I thought that this match kind of just stood out from a from an aspect of a great match, but then just thinking about what we see with with older wrestlers, and it's not just in WWE, it's thinking back to old Impact slash TNA times, and when you would see these older wrestlers, guys like Sting that come in and don't really care, they're there to get a paycheck, and that's kind of it. Sting pretty much is on TV every single week, but every time he has a match, it surprises me like how good he is. He still has it at 60, I think he's 62, 63 years old. He's not the same Sting that he always was, but they do such a good job of highlighting his strengths, having him do something that's a little bit like kind of crazy, like jumping off the top rope, doing some type of a dive or something like that, where you're like, wow, I didn't think he could do that. And then just overall making him look good. And it's it's cool to see that there's a potential for legends to actually end on a not sad note. Um, I think that we've all been conditioned to think that everything ends the way that the Undertaker's career has ended, where every single time his gong hits, you're like excited for a second, and then you're sad that it means you're about to see another potentially really bad match. I'm excited for whatever the arc is for Sting when he does finally have his last match, which I believe will be in AEW, and what that actually looks like, because AEW's done a great job of protecting him and making him uh, show his strengths while hiding the other end of it. Yeah, and I think he's on this victory lap right now, and if he gets injured with a freak move, like with the Seth Rollins match, um, he can retire at that moment, and it's going to seem fine because he was treated so respectfully. Um, You get the impression, kind of like you said too, that he has so much respect, and he is 
uh, treated with more reverence. And he probably is a guy in the locker room that isn't a dick to everyone. If, you know, someone doesn't shake their hand or ask him a question in the right way or some stupid bullshit thing that you would hear about in WWE. So it seems like the guys also want to take care of him too. Um, and yeah, I was actually just going to bring up that point too, of like how he just genuinely doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like there's a sadness to him coming back and there's no, uh, snarky Kevin Dunn type uh, commentary that Michael Cole has fed where they make fun of him or talk shit about his hair. Um, yeah, he's 62, but he doesn't look like he's 62. He looks like he's 40 something. You would have no way of knowing. And even though he wrestles in a t-shirt, it's not like it's like he's embarrassing or sad. Um, he still puts in a hell of a good performance and I'm interested to see where they go with it. Um, yeah, I like this match too. It was obviously my match leak as well. Uh, FTR obviously does stand out. The thing that scared the shit out of me was when MJF like flew over and did that bump and landed on his melon. I thought that was done, done so for him. I, I legitimately was like, oh shit, he is done. That freaked me out, but uh, he was able to stay with it. And uh, I like the sacrifice too that FTR did at the end as well. So um, good match. Um, Sean, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, definitely. Exactly. As you're saying, the um, him just jumping into the, uh, empty pool and going in head first uh crazy and then like he gets right back up just to eat that uh sting body splash from the top rope on the outside uh good on him it was cool to see the whole little good fun natured uh running up the stairs trying to get away from punk not being not being scared of it on twitter um the whole match and like everything kind of just had like a good holiday match kind of feel like kind of got you happy in a happy mode it was really like uplifting for the times it didn't need to have like that miracle on 34th street fight kind of gimmick to the match great happy to see overall great match three stars was my match of the week yeah i gave it three stars as well and i also like too that it went long um it didn't feel like it was dragging though even though it went through what two or three commercial breaks but it's also conditioning the audience too that it's okay to have main events or matches that go longer um that aren't a broadway where it's you know, maybe obvious that, okay, this is going to be a time of a draw or it's going to be a 30 minute match or 60 minute match. And it's going to go right up to the limit. So it helps, uh, I think Danielson and, uh, hangman for their uh, sequel coming up soon. So yeah, we all thought that was the match of the week. Let's move on to our moments of the week. Alex, what was your moment of the week? Kyle O'Reilly showed up in yeah. AEW this week and officially reunited the undisputed era. It's funny to think I saw a tweet about it, or maybe it was on Reddit, uh, where someone said it's funny to like two years ago at this time, we were in the Wednesday night wars. And in that two years, the undisputed era, which was the biggest part of NXT really is now in AEW. There's potential for someone else, someone else to be coming over soon. That's also one of the bigger names from NXT at that time uh, with Gar Gargano. And <clears throat> I think that uh, the sky's the limit to see what these guys can do over the next a uh, year or two in terms of th there's the potential feud with the Bucks and, and Kenny. There's just them kind of taking over and getting to see them really be themselves. I think we saw a side of Kyle O'Reilly in NXT that I don't know that any of us three really knew existed. We had we had been fortunate enough to see him at, at ROH shows and things like that um, and hadn't really seen that personality. And then it kind of got to show, shine through a little bit in NXT, but to really let those reins off and, and have some of the people around him to, to help him, I think is going to be really exciting. Adam Cole, like I'm just, what is what is brewing with him? I'm so excited to see how this goes. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly also tweeted that Red Dragon is officially back, which means we get to see the chasing the dragon finisher again. 
uh, just so excited for what's to come with this group and knowing that uh, they kind of all made this. I, I know Bobby was was let go, but uh, the fact that, you know, Kyle wanted to take this chance when I'm sure he probably could have stuck around NXT um, just has me really excited for what that means for what they have in store for themselves. Yeah. I mean, Undisputed Era is great. I, it's it's amazing to see that like I, the big pieces of Undisputed Era, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, kind of just literally walked away from WWE's fin- uh, fingers. Like, yeah, you let Bobby Fish go. He's not going to do anything on a singles career, so that made sense. But it's crazy that you let up this great talent that we were seeing on your product two years ago. Again, trying to beat the ratings for AEW, and now they're their talent just wild to see um if i could go into my moment of the week um it was the owen hart memorial tournament tribute video um it's really nice clips and pictures and like stories of uh owen just really feel good story throughout the whole time i think a lot of that was sent by um or like provided by dr martha hart his uh his widow um which is pretty cool because she was definitely not always willing to work or be happy about the business after what happened to her, um, her husband, yeah, her husband, um, just that's cool. Um, really great things. I think Mark Henry said like most of the uh, quotes of just like, he was the ultimate ribber, but he would, you rib him, you rib, he'll rib you back. Um, and also something he, something along the lines of like, he brought fun and light to the industry, which is really cool because the times now are definitely different than they were in its, maybe possibly because of the way he was and the person he was. So can't wait for the tournament. It'll definitely got me in the mode and ready for the tournament to happen. Yeah. He was so ahead of his time and it's a shame that we don't, um, that we didn't get to see more of him and celebrate his life and legacy, but it completely makes sense. And especially if you watch the dark side of the ring, which I highly recommend, it was a fantastic documentary about his unfortunate death but it explains why he was never in the hall of fame and it's completely justified and it totally makes sense and uh dr martha hart is by no means the bad guy in this situation i do think fans did have some weird sort of post-traumatic stress and not being able to see him and celebrate him and now they're going to be able to get their moment because they know they're going to she trusts that they're going to do it the right way so it's exciting to see that and i'm sure we'll have a lot of owen related content and things to talk about with him as we get closer to the tournament. Uh, anything else that you wanted to add, Alex? Yeah, uh, I think that I'm some, I feel kind of robbed for like the fact that I didn't get to see Owen Hart really. I was too young when he, when he passed, but what was that? 99, right? Yeah. So I, would have been, I was seven years old. I wasn't even allowed to watch wrestling at the time. I remember hearing about it. Um, but that was really all. And I didn't fully understand what had happened. Um, but I, I feel like everything that you hear about him from a story perspective around the type of person he was and also, you know, the type of worker he was and how influential he was to people. I, I don't want to get like weird around it, but like it feels like this AEW would be something that he would be a part of today if if that didn't oh, no, happen. Yeah, totally. AEW would 100% be like his thing. And I, that would, you know, he would be there with Dean Malenko and all those guys. And so I think that and then the fact that we're seeing uh, his widow, the trust that she has in Tony Khan and AEW to carry on his legacy in, in a meaningful way when she has been so cautious about that in the past with the WWE. Um, it just kind of really speaks volumes. And then also, 
I'm looking forward to hopefully having him as like an unlockable character in the AEW video game because that'll just be really cool to get a chance to play with him. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Play, play as, play as, as him. Not yeah. <laughs> play with him. Yes, play yeah. play as, yeah. as okay, him. Just... So, uh, Chris, what, what was your moment of the week? Well, uh, mine was, I, it, it felt like Malachi Black was reheated finally. Um, you know, right off the bat, he did that big kick to Griff Garrison. Um, Garrison had some offense, but Malachi hit that knee shot that just looked brutal and just fantastic. Um, Pillman Jr. came in and took the black mass. He used a submission on the knee, too, to get the victory. Um, I'm interested to hear what the reaction sounds like live when we go in January in the Cleveland show, because it sounded a little bit muted uh, over the television. So I don't know like how big it sounded. But on TV, it seems like, his again, his character is totally reheated. Um, and it looks like they're getting him back to where he was when he first came in. Um, didn't need to necessarily go that route, but whatever it is, what it is. And it looks like he's going to have, or at least I hope it is, he'll 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 have a stable where he has guys that he's leading and that are following him as opposed to folks in his stable that protect him and do distraction run-ins and you know do chicken shit heel stuff. So hopefully he gets a different type of character. Uh, I mean, I'm interested to see what they do. I love this pairing, though, of Griff Garrison and Pillman Jr. Um, Garrison kind of, he comes off, this is like going in the Wayback Machine, but he kind of comes off as like a good Sam Houston, like the lanky build. He's surprisingly tall. I think he may be more of a breakout than Pillman Jr. So I kind of like them hanging out with them. And maybe they run something where, okay, he the, the black spitting shit in their face makes them evil. I don't know. But definitely like where this is going so far. And hopefully they have another encounter um, and it doesn't just end and they go on to the next thing. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what they end up doing with the whole House of Black stuff and and what that misting does and and how how they end up treating the uh, the faction with Malachi. Uh, just on the uh, stuff with Griff Garrison, I feel like I need him to change up his look, though. He looks too much like yoked Jungle Boy. And I just, especially with, with jungle boy getting bigger, like I need them to differentiate the way that they look in some form or fashion, uh, because they just look too much alike right now. Um, I haven't been super into like them as a team. Like I like them as like a mid card team. I don't know that I see either of them as like a breakout star, but I actually could definitely see if one of them were to it being, um, it being Griff. I think he's got a little bit more natural charisma, whereas Pillman Jr. just doesn't always seem super comfortable at times still like when he was doing that stuff with MJF like he just isn't as convincing and I, I know that'll come with time but uh, as of right now if I had to pick someone I think I would agree with you that I think Griff Garrison's probably the one that would break out if if there had to be a Michaels and a Genetti in that case I think that uh, we would see it be Pillman Jr. as a Genetti. Yeah now that you'd say it, it definitely kind of makes more sense like uh, Griff Garrison kind of is more the blank slate that you could chop the hair off, dye it black, and create some kind of newish character. With Brian Pillman, there's so much history to the name that you can't really avoid that. Um, and uh, also, I can't wait to hear that that intro song when we go to AEW Cleveland. It looks almost as good as The Undertaker, another dark little character, but much more new. Yeah, and I think like the the, the, the two of them, the Varsity Blondes, it's just a painfully... Not painfully, but it's just kind of a bland, stupid gimmick. Ways like it, yeah. it's. I think they almost know that it's sort of okay. This is just something to get them on TV and get them comfortable, and then 
we'll do something more with them. Or at least I hope that's the case because it's a little bit kind of white meat and it's fine to get them out there, but it's not going to be the thing that gets them over to the next level. Then they have that potential and they're also super young and they have time to do that. Yeah. You can't really do much more than like saved by the bell kind of themed uh, pre pre taped video packages with them. Like there's just varsity blondes. It's a kind of old gimmick, especially when you're out of high school. Yeah. (laughs) That's how, yeah, that's how they get Griff Garrison over is give them a fucking AC Slater haircut and then have those like Zubaz pants, acid wash pants with like the belt like two belts going on it like slater had basically have, have a break dance and do ballet <laughs> what we're gonna do pal we're gonna have you dance like slater get hooked on caffeinated pills <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm so can't. excited yeah that's yeah that's that's probably where she's gone she's gone she's gone to fucking rehab with uh the, the mist in her eyes made her get addicted <laughs> to the caffeine pills that's the worst idea ever for a storyline. I hope to God no one listens to our show and thinks that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, let's go into the news because there's a lot of news and a lot of shit to talk about. Um, Alex, let's start off with you. What was what was your news item of the week? AEW breaking over that one million uh, viewer barrier again. So it hasn't been since October that we've seen them uh, hit over a million. I know that that's partially because they had switched over. First of all, they were doing some Saturday shows. And then they changed the way that so on the West Coast now it airs at 5 p.m. live at the same time that it's airing on the East Coast. So it's just harder for people to view it at that time, um, which I would love. But also I would feel very stressed if I had to work a little bit late or go to the gym. But um, so to see them go over the million number uh, just before this move to TBS which uh, is in more homes. I'm really excited to see what that could potentially mean for those first few shows coming from TBS. Hopefully um, that also means that that momentum will carry over because they have at least the first show looks like a great show. uh, And hopefully the Cleveland show a few weeks later is going to be great as well. Um, But I'm just happy to see them break that barrier because obviously Cleveland's a pretty, or not Cleveland, California is a pretty big market. So I'm not sure exactly what the percentage was of like people that weren't viewing live from since October versus prior, but I would imagine that there's a pretty significant amount there, California, especially LA, big wrestling area as well. So I'm just really happy to see them do that and uh, hopefully carry that momentum into the new year and and see the company kind of take that next step. And I wonder if that ratings boost came from just the momentum of um, Danielson and Hangman. Uh, it could be, I mean, or it could just be the fact that it's staying in a main event with CM Punk and it's just going longer and people are tuning in. I don't know. Uh, but I know they hit over a million for that, the 60 minute Broadway match. Um, but I don't know if like that number translated obviously to the all in, you know, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I think, yeah, as long as they can keep getting viewers and they're not obstructed by time zone issues, uh, they have a chance to have a much higher rate. And I, they, should be getting to that would be my I hate to say should but I would think they need to be at 1.25 I don't think that's like a crazy ass number to suggest once they get rolling with TBS so um hopefully that happens just because more viewers means a healthier industry uh Sean what was your news item of the week yeah I think this is gonna kind of be the end of the good news and now we're gonna kind of hit the darker side of the news um for this week I chose the uh that AEW kicked out, and I think they banned the fan who had the transphobic sign against uh, Ny- Nyla Rose. Um, 
I'm not even going to say what this sign said because why glorify anything this idiot did? Uh, apparently, he before had a sign that was like cowboy, uh, hangman's a cowboy bitch or something. Just clearly, always kind of putting out tacky signs, trying to get himself over. And it's it's already one thing to like bring a sign, especially when you're in the second row and hold it up in front of everyone behind you, so they can't see the whole entire show. I have a thing about people with signs; it's just stupid. No one cares what you have to say if you just write MJF. It's not cool. But it's even worse to write transphobic statements at people. It's not funny. It's you're not you're not making anyone laugh for a good reason. You're not a comedian, and it's just like even he pulls like a pussy move to pull up his mask for the rest of the show after he did that and got flipped off by another rose. Like, take your shit if you're really going to try and say something like that, and you get called out. I don't want to go on a tangent because it's just awful. But yeah, stupid. Fuck them, you guys. Yep. I, I don't have too much to add other than, first of all, Nyla has handled everything that has come her way like a pro really since she started in terms of like fans having any issues. Um, but Cornette, which I shouldn't even give him the time of day, but I know he said something along the lines of like, oh, back in my day, the wrestlers would yeah, just get in their face. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Will you give the quote then? And then I'll say my piece. He's like, boy, because I was going to go into this, too. So he said, boy, times have changed when wrestling drew big crowds. Fans got tossed out if they committed physical assault or pulled out a knife. If you tossed them out for saying horrible things and hurting the wrestlers' feelings, the buildings would have been empty like they are now. So you say your thing and I'll say mine. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, mine is simply Nyla Rose's character has never been that she is a uh, trance. So you're not saying something mean to her character in that case. You are saying something about her as a person beyond what her character is. And to me that like, I mean, even if it was her character, it'd be weird. But like, because of that, what Cornette says has no value. It means nothing. It'd be like if uh, if another wrestler had just had a miscarriage the night, like a couple of weeks before, and then somebody was shouting about that to them, like that has nothing to do with their character. You're literally just trying to attack that the the person playing the character, and that's that's where it makes no sense to me. Cornette fucking sucks, anyways. Like, I mean, he's got he's he's entertaining for some people at times. I get it, but he's he's not really worth it. I don't I don't ever listen to him. I just happen to see what he says. Um, but that was my thought. What was your what did you have to say about that, Chris? No, it's just like I hope society doesn't pass me by, and these are the things that I just like you just totally miss on like this. It just scares the shit out of me to get older and think like this could happen to you one day. Like I hope to God that's never becomes me or anyone I care about where you just, um, you just clearly just the guy just does not fucking get it. Um, conflating the issue with attendance and making it about, um, Oh, people don't go and real heels aren't heels anymore and whatever the fuck. And it, it just does not get it. Um, that was offensive. And then, um, just watching it back, like, and I don't know if Nyla Rose saw the offending sign on her way to the ring, but as she was like walking away from the hard cam as she does her entrance, she's facing right towards the sign and just like her stride slowed down. It was just kind of sad to watch knowing what you knew in hindsight. It was like, God, oh, Jesus Christ. So you hope for this guy, like, yeah, he's trying to be cute and obviously not funny. Um, and yeah, he deserves to be banned and deserves to get kicked out of the building you hope that it was an asshole comment and this person just isn't an asshole permanently and that there's some way for um, 
something positive to come out of it and that he can learn about trans people in a way or just fucking grow as a human being and he's not completely shunned out and becomes defensive and becomes some psychopath on Twitter because it just it's it's scary that that could happen too. Um, yeah, just a lot of negativity there. Yep. And, and the last thing I'll say, and I think I said this when we talked about, you know, the incident here near, near us at Oxford High School. Um, I we saw that one sign. I haven't heard a single person really defend it other than Cornette. You, you've only seen people really support Nyla. And that's the thing to remember in like moments like these, like there are always going to be assholes, pieces of shit that say things or, you know, somebody who made a bad joke or whatever. Um, but the majority of people are, are still good. And that's what you have to try to remember when um, when things like these happen. And I know that to say that to somebody like Nyla, who probably hears these things a lot more than I do, um, tough. But I think that she handled it like a pro. And um, I think that AEW did a good job, too, of kicking that person out. So, yeah. Chris, um, I, you know, off that, let's let's move over to your uh, what was your news of the week? Yeah, just the COVID spikes that are happening in all sports right now. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple of college football games that are canceled. Unfortunately, there won't be a. Uh, family video bowl now in Miami or wherever the fuck they're <laughs> planning. Uh, but there was like a lot of like football games that were canceled. A lot of folks are on the COVID lo- roster for the NFL and then even in the NBA. Um, and then we found out in WWE that they had a Madison Square Garden show uh, a couple days ago and uh, Seth and uh, Becky Lynch were pulled. Some other wrestlers were also pulled. And then it just came out before we started recording. And we'll have to talk about it on the next show because it's unconfirmed right now um, that they may be getting away from testing as well. Um, so it's like difficult to know, okay, who's going to actually show up for day one, which is their January one show that's supposed to be kind of big and a bigger deal for them. Um, so you wonder just what's happening. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope there's not a situation where we have to have a shut down on stuff and if that's the case i think everything should be shut down until cleveland and then in cleveland everything should be brought back but no <laughs> like it, it it is just uh nerve-wracking though to see like okay how many people are going to get hit with it i got my booster shot a couple weeks ago and like i was fucked up from the booster shot um that slowed me down and just the idea of getting COVID again scares the hell out of me so i hope everyone is safe and being smart about it yeah, at this point, it's kind of like selfishly worrying that we've kind of got some big things planned. We would like to see this continue. And unfortunately, we're coming across another wave, a new variant, and we're still going through it. Hopefully, we can soon learn some way to deal with this and do it. I know I'm getting my booster coming up in the new year, but uh, yeah, hopefully, we can get through it without any glitches to WrestleMania. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, just don't want to see any people get sick or like fucked up from it because it, it'll it'll get you for people who still think it's not real. Um, it definitely is. So uh, let's get into more cringeworthy things. Let's talk about all of our cringe of the week, which is the pro wrestling tease communication. Uh, I'll let you start with this one, Alex, and I'll take it home. You know what? Actually, I would like to pass it to Sean. I think Sean has the strongest feelings about this company. So this, yeah, I, this I'd like one. to let him. I, this is his. This is his bully Ray. This is his so. Cody. Yeah, this is Cody. This is bully Ray. This okay. is me against the establishment. I don't know. Um, the, the, PW, PWT in my mind has sucked for a while after they couldn't take an Instagram comment joke about their long shipping times and like Halloween T-shirt for next year. Stupid. Regardless, uh, 
The way they handled this data breach is even sadder than that because they knew about it early November, didn't send anything out via email because they are an internet-based website, t-shirt retailer. They decided to mail out in snail mail notices that your data has been compromised, get checked with a credit score or whatever. Uh, One of our own people in our lives was affected by this. Just awful. The way they responded to fans on, I think, uh, Instagram of just like, if you're not familiar with data breach uh, notification laws, I suggest reading it up. That's an asshole thing to say to someone whose data was compromised on your site that you didn't want to tell them that they, and they probably used again afterwards for your Black Friday or holiday shopping sales. I just, I'm beyond with this. I mean, hopefully this is the end of them. I thought, no, I mean the end. I don't want anyone to see anyone lose their job or anything. I shouldn't say that, but it was just an asshole move. And they wanted to continue their great Black Friday deals and sales and get out of the red, just like everyone does on Black Friday. But they did it in a very scummy way in a, in a business that is known for some scummy things. So. Yep. And, uh, you know, on that, the whole them like saying back to people like, Oh, uh, bone up on the laws or whatever. It's like, Hey, congrats on doing the bare minimum. Like just to not go out of your way to make sure that people know, especially going into the holidays as people are draining their bank accounts more than usual. Uh, not ideal. Also, uh, like Sean said, we've, we've had a history. I literally got blocked by them on Instagram because Sean made a comment and tagged me in it. Um, and it was a correct comment. Uh, so I'm not even, not even mad about it really, but ride or die, baby. Um, Right or die. <laughs> yeah. If Sean's not good enough for you, neither am I. And uh, so I, I think that what it comes down to is like they've they've always been this way in terms of the way that they they handle issues with customers. Like I've never really had a good interaction with their customer service. Um, and that's not the way that AEW operates the rest of their business. So it's really weird to me that they continue to do work with them. It kind of feels like PWT kind of like lucked out in the sense of like, I I mean, great business model, what they've been doing, but they lucked out that they had a really good relationship with the people that were starting AEW and they kind of default got this, uh, got to do all the merch and everything like that. If I'm AEW, first of all, I think that things need to get changed just because of the fact that, uh, the customer service is awful, but then also on the other end, like the quality is not that great. Um, I, I don't, I don't order shirts anymore. The last time I ordered a shirt was because I wanted the Brody Lee Memorial shirts and really I wear those for gym shirts. Other than that, I don't really buy any wrestling shirts anymore because I just don't really care for the quality of them. So I I at least want to see some sort of a, an apology from, uh, PWT or like an acknowledgement of like, Hey, we realized we handled this wrong. Uh, because to just sit there and be, uh, sarcastic or, or facetious with people, that's not how you, that's not how you win in business, at least not in 2021. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm with Sean and, uh, I, I will always stand with him. Chris, what were your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. And I think too, like the reason why AEW has a relationship is because they both needed each other at the time. And I think they've grown out of the point where they don't need them. Um, and they can go with another partner. And I think wrestlers also needed to use them. Um, and I think maybe that's why they've been so quiet about it. I didn't hear a lot of wrestlers talking shit about this either. Uh, they were very, very quiet. And that's something that I that stood out to me that no one was saying like, oh, yeah, fuck them. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to buy from them anymore. I was one of those uh, poor people that was uh, ripped off. And uh, yeah, I got a letter in the mail a couple of like a week ago or so. 
And I had uh, $230 used by someone stealing my credit card. Granted, I I love Wingstop, but not $90 worth of it in middle of fucking nowhere, Illinois. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Ross, baby. Mm. And it was so funny because I saw it. I was like, when have I ever gone to fucking Wingstop? Um, So, yeah, it's $230. Whatever. I got it back. But, like, I'm also a, a privilege where it didn't, like, hurt me. I could get a new card and wait. I wasn't someone who, like, was living paycheck to paycheck. And that is part of their fan base. Let's just say it like there's people who like did get fucked over really bad in a terrible time. And all they could say is, yeah, bone up on laws or, yeah, well, we couldn't say anything. Well, because you didn't care and you were thinking more about your Black Friday deal. So hopefully there's other avenues for people to get their shit out there. When we put our merch out, it will not be there. Yes, that's for sure. All righty. OK, cool. So let's move on. Alex, what was your cringe of the week? <laughs> yeah, my uh, my. My cringe, I, I changed it. Originally, it was the PWT stuff. And then I made the mistake of hopping onto Twitter.com and seeing uh, the reaction to Hook's no-sell uh, in his match on Rampage this past week with uh, Bear Bronson. So for me, uh, I I hate when I hear people get all riled up about like a no-sell. It's been going on in the business since even in the 80s when you know people were a lot more sure that it was real than they are today. And to me, the people who argue about it messing with their suspension of disbelief or like those things, to me, that's that's the problem. Like you, you all you care about is like them putting you in a mood to suspend your disbelief. I don't really need that personally. I don't need it for television. I don't need it for a movie. I don't really need it for wrestling. Like there's things that'll take me out of a match or whatever. Don't get me wrong. However, I don't think that uh I don't think that it's necessary. Like it, a no sell doesn't have to mean that. Oh, uh, now I realize it's fake. Like I don't watch a wrestling match and think the entire time it's real. I watch it and think just like I, I, I appreciate the art. I appreciate everything that's going on, and I appreciate the story. And that, like, I don't need. I don't like the sell is definitely it's important, but in this case, it didn't ruin the match. And if you if you were actually watching the match, Bear Bronson had like no offense up until that point. So really. Hook shouldn't be like overselling that. You know, I mean, he should, you could make the argument that he shouldn't have popped up, whatever, that's fine. But that's not ruining the business. Uh, overthinking everything and calling, saying that anything that's different or anything that isn't what you like is ruining the business is what ruins it uh, to me. And, and I, you know, we saw Taz definitely got a little bit fired up on, on Twitter about it, um, you know, which I get that's his son. And but it's been going on for years. Taz actually posted a, a video of Bret Hart doing a no sell. I don't think anybody has ever accused Bret Hart of killing the business before. So I think people just need to stop overreacting to things and understand the story behind something. Uh, if you got mad at Hook no selling that, I hope you got mad when Sting no sold the table spot a few months ago or every single time that Hogan no sold and hulked up in a match. Like exactly, it just it just it's a part of wrestling. And when you do it in the right moments, it's completely fine. And I felt in this moment, it was fine. And even if you disagree with me, I, I, it's not killing the business. You know what it did kill though, is it totally killed my transition. Cause I was going to say, let me tell you something, Alex. Let's <laughs> 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 go doing that. And it made my childhood perfect. <laughs> I'm one of those fans too, that like, I like it reality based and sports based. So I do get a little bit put out of it at times, but I acknowledge that 
that was a fundamental part of my childhood being fun and fucking awesome when Hogan would kick out of Savage's elbow and ruin it at WrestleMania. I loved it. It made fucking awesome moments and memories for me as a kid. So I can't be too upset about it. And it's like everything, anything you do, it's the way you do it. Things are going to work or not work. And I think this was somewhat natural too. And the overreaction against hook, because we all fell in love with hook that love at first sight when he was in the ring. So there's going to be a natural amount of audience now that's going to be like, well, fuck him. And going to find everything to nitpick about. If anything, you want to nitpick, nitpick about was that his hair wasn't as crazy this time. I don't know if anyone else noticed that. I mean, I was, I was so put off. Damn. Damn. <laughs> So, yeah, he has no consistency in his character at all. Yeah, yeah absolutely none. Nope. Subjective art form. That's what, that's what it is. If, it, if you don't like it, you don't have to like it. So get over it. Exactly. Did you guys see the video that, that got posted of uh, probably like the six or seven seconds, like as Hook's music is hitting when he went out for Rampage this week? Like when he's just like, see, oh man, he's that he's just got like that, like ice in his veins. Like I, I, I don't have that much confidence in anything in my life as he like had just like sitting there waiting for his music to hit and then walking up those stairs. I've never felt that amount of confidence in my life. No, it's like, yeah, he does have like a weird, like, um, Oh, what's the comparison? Almost like a Liam Gallagher kind of a thing, like a weird swagger, like rock star kind of a thing too. um, Connor McGregor without the annoyance, just like the physiology, you know, I don't know. It just, he's a, he's a unique, character and uh he's got a bright future and hopefully it's to uh put cody over and make that tnt belt look good oh my god how awful uh, oh i just made everything negative awesome all right let's go into what we're let's <laughs> go into what I we're anticipating alex what is on your mind for the future yeah, we, we talked about it kind of at the top of the show a little bit when we were talking about AEW being back over a million, but it's the TBS debut. I think it's going to be the first week, obviously big, and then you're going to want to hook eh, hook people into the second week and beyond. But, uh, you know, yes. I think to see this this close out this week with, with some, you know, a, a solid show, but then going into the TBS debut with Hangman versus Danielson 2, uh, you'll have the TBS title I mean, being crowned. And then um, even right after that, you also have the TNT special of Clash. Is it Clash of the Champions or what is it? Battle of the Belt. Battle of the Belt. Yeah. OK. I, I knew there was some alliteration there. And um can't escape it. <laughs> but uh, like, like, you know that they're going to they're going to feed right into that. And, and it's just going to be a really exciting time for. AEW over these next few weeks. I, I have this, I've personally built myself up to believe that Moxley is returning on TBS. Um, they're just kind of holding him at that point. Cause I know he's been having some wrestling matches since late November at this point. So uh, really looking forward to just what's to come over the next few weeks. I'm hoping to see a new set design for TBS debut as well. I think that it's important to kind of completely change and reset what the previous dynamite was versus the new dynamite it'll be hard to keep that differentiation when it comes to rampage and dynamite because they're still uh going to be taped at the same time most of the time but i also it is tnt versus tbs i want to see some difference there i i'm one of those one of those people that used to love when the smackdown set would change or you know that you'd have the crazy pay-per-view set changes so uh just going to be a great couple of weeks for wrestling plus wrestle kingdom uh any thoughts from you guys yeah i'm excited for uh Danielson and Hangman 
too. Uh, I want to see a definitive winner. And I think we'll obviously have that. I wasn't really sure what they were doing with, um, it, like if they settled on having old timers as referees or not and what they're going to do there. I know they did a good job. Um, I mean, I thought it was a great job with uh, with Cody bringing out Crockett to give him the belt. I thought that was a cool throwback moment, especially in Greensboro. I know that means a lot to Cody in that building. So that was a cool moment to see things go full circle with kind of his upbringing. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I want to see a new set too. I'm, I was a big fan of like the fist thing in SmackDown. I'd love that new sign or new logo and set design. I think raw has done a good job throughout the years of always having a good new set. Like they never have bad sets at all. I think that's one of the strengths of WWE, at least in my mind is that like the set always looks extremely well done. Um, and when they have a new, uh, show new identity, new brand, new season. Um, it looks different. So yeah, hopefully they can do that. It's just really expensive, supposedly. Um, and it'll be difficult to differentiate the two, like you said, but you know, you put the camera in a different place and you light the crowd differently and it's not that hard of a switch. So hopefully they can do something there and, uh, yeah, they can get the momentum. And like we mentioned before, the more fans that watch the show, the better it is for the industry and the more money that, everyone can make from it when there's more people watching there's a chance for a better uh, tv deal in the next round whenever that comes up again so hopefully they do well with tbs and uh, hopefully that match goes really fucking long and it's great uh yeah it'll definitely be cool Uh, hopefully we get to see a new new set design i love the fist too on smackdown so something cool something new we always like that for a new year um, what I'm looking forward to is next week, uh, New Year's Smash, a, uh, an Undisputed Era is coming back. So it's going to be sweet to see that. Like we said earlier, and Alex was saying, crazy, I think, two years ago, they were on Wednesday nights, but on a different different company. And here we are now. So definitely going to be some good things to come. Definitely some shenanigans with the betrayal of the elite by Adam Cole or whatever's going to happen. We'll see. I can't wait to... See how it plays out because it's two, three really great wrestlers. So yeah, it you know it made me think of a question I wanted to ask you, uh, Sean. So with the undisputed era coming in, um, does it come off like ex WWE guys, or does it register as indie guys going to AEW? It almost feels just kind of like yeah, like indie guys coming because it's just people who have kind of always been together, people who have kind of traveled the roads together. So you kind of knew this was going to happen. I mean, two, even two indie guys stayed in WWE and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they're sticking together and they're, they're friends, there's friendships. These are, these are bonds that aren't going to be broken via what company you go to. They'll probably find their way back to each other. It's just kind of magnetism. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like this feels more like indie guys coming together or, you know, just, just, it almost feels like they were a part of the whole elite thing and, and the start. Um, and I think part of that difference too, is that they are coming from NXT and not WWE. So they don't have that, like that feeling that, that you kind of feel when you see your favorite guys in NXT get moved up to WWE to main roster. And then they kind of just flounder and everything like that. Adam Cole was still looking great all the way up until the end. Kyle O'Reilly looked great pretty much up until the end and and Bobby fish. I don't really think we saw a whole lot from because he kept getting hurt, but still kind of the point remains that he never looked, he never looked like he was just like floundering and and just kind of like middling and he didn't know where he was going. So I think that that also helps add a little bit of context to not feeling like some they're rehashing a group that 
was already born somewhere else, especially because we also saw them working together back in the past. Like when they when when Cole made that jump from ROH, everyone is expecting those three to all be paired together. So it, it feels like just a group that has been a long time coming to AEW. Awesome. Okay. Um, now, before we go into uh, some of the other uh, previews for some of the other content that we had on the podcast, Alex, why don't you share with the uh, listeners what you have planned for the website? Yeah. So this week I will be putting out my uh, article on kind of the one year in, in review of Brody Lee's passing. So um, I didn't want to put it out. Uh, yesterday was the one year anniversary of it officially. I didn't want to put it out yesterday because I think that that's not really my story to tell or like at that time, like it's not, I, I just didn't want to like make it feel like we were trying to grab a page view for it or anything like that. Um, so I, I decided to hold off a few days because really what that article that I've written is about is it's, it's as much about him as it is AEW's response and kind of that, that show that we had after it came out paying homage to him. So uh, that'll be coming out. I, I think I have it slated for Friday in my mind uh, is kind of when I was thinking. So as a, as a New Year's Eve article, but I, I'm really looking forward to putting it out there. I think Brody for me, he was somebody I was really excited when it came out that he was being being granted his wish of being let go uh, so that he could go kind of pursue whatever it was that he wanted to do. You always kind of assumed he was going to end up in AEW. He joined AEW and it, it was unfortunate the timing with COVID and he just missed getting to debut in Rochester. And then watching what he was able to do, taking the dark order from a group that people kind of cringed at uh, to really enjoy it and still cheer for it to this day and created some guys that are probably going to be long-term, not necessarily stars, but staples with the business. Uh, in the short amount of time he was there and then seeing um, AEW's response to his family, specifically, you know, with, with his wife and everything like that. Um, I, I'm looking forward to putting that out uh, because Brody, at the time of his passing, I would have said was one of my top three wrestlers at the time. And um, I have one picture hanging up in the basement that I'm in right now, and it's a it's a painting of him. So uh, definitely looking forward to putting that out and, and getting everybody's thoughts and um, also I'll, I'll put a link in there, but you know, there is a foundation that was, that was created in his honor. So, um, if anybody's looking for somewhere to donate, I think the, uh, I think that'll be a great place for people to put some money. So, yeah, you know, and, and looking back at the year since he's passed, it's, he was like, Owen, someone that you hear all these stories about of like, wow, what a genuinely like great fucking guy and a great person and someone that everyone on the roster looked up to. And it's funny how it comes full circle, right? We talk about, um, hook exposing the business by no selling, but you get attached to wrestlers when you find out who their personality is outside the ring when you're taken out of it and it's not real anymore, you know, and you're showing who they are behind the scenes. And there's a lot of guys that you'd like to really know on a deep level of like, okay, who these people really are. So it's just funny how, um, it's just funny how shit works are, how, how shit works out and how fans are of like, you don't want to ruin the, um, facade that this is a work and that it's all fake but at the same point you desperately want to know more stories about guys like Brody and Owen because it is uplifting to know that you're fans of people who are good character guys in real life so uh odd how that is um and then also talking about New Year's Eve so we're going to drop a podcast that looks back at the year in wrestling we have our own award show where we're going to be discussing the uh 
the best wrestler of the year for male and female wrestlers. We'll talk about the match of the year, the pay-per-view of the year, and some other awards as well. So that'll be something to have as your pre-gaming before you go out uh, or if you're hungover as fuck uh, the next day to listen to while you wallow in self-pity and anxiety. So however you want to go about it, <laughs> we have a podcast there for you to help you or hurt you, however, you know, however your outlook is on life. So um, again, that'll wrap up the show for this week. Again, subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. Again, visit WrestlingElitist.com for our latest match reviews and articles. Uh, give us a five-star review itself too on those podcasts as well. Uh, subscription signups. And then uh, help support the show and website by sharing our content with the rest of the internet wrestling community. And finally, if you do have a question or a topic you'd like us to address on the podcast, hit us up in the comment section or shoot us an email at our individual email addresses at wrestlingelitis.com. All right, Ravishing Rick Rude, send us home. Hit the music!